Dear Lord, we are very grateful for this body. Thank you for the gifts of this body, the people that have given, that you'd bless them, their hearts, their generosity. We'd ask you also to bless the gifts themselves, that this church would not be foolish, not get caught up in the unnecessary, but watch over it. And also us this morning, Lord, as we go into your word, we'd ask that you would guard our minds. In your son's name, amen. Okay, if you don't know, there are sermon notes in the back. You can, if you did not grab them in the narthex, there's, as the text, outline, little color picture of our logo. Matthew 6 is midway through the Sermon on the Mount. And I was thinking of some things, you know, like we are with our hymns, we said, you know, Palm Sunday, Good Friday's next Friday, you're thinking of the Passion, you're thinking of, of um, the death of Christ, and, and undeniably Christendom sort of insists that we think of Palm Sunday in a certain way. I drove by, by the Catholic Church earlier today, and they were out there with palms, you know, fronds. Not a real church, um, but as, as as you realize what happened, we're Christians. We care about the cross. We care about not that cross. We talked about that last week, um, but Christ's death and his burial, his resurrection, his ascension to the right hand of the Father. We care because our salvation hangs on that. And so it is natural that when we see our Lord coming into Jerusalem on a cult, everybody just going ballistic in the streets, that we, we want to be in there among them. We, we have that sense of, yay! And none of them knew that in a week they'd be calling for his head. Within a week, the disciples that were scattered. It was a fake triumph. It got stripped from us with the reality of his death. And you can imagine the staring that must have gone on between the disciples, the faithful ones, the ones that may have run away, may have denied him like Peter denied him. It's, it's, a, it's an emotional calamity. I was watching, how's Kentucky doing, uh, David? Undefeated. Smugness is, does not become a believer. Does anybody want Gonzaga to beat Kentucky? Okay, there are some prayers. Okay, well, this could cause church split. Gonzaga women lost yesterday or to Tennessee. They're interviewing some Gonzaga players. They were, they were beat up. They were overtime lost. You know how that feels? That punch in the gut? We know Seahawks last Super Bowl. We, I'm sorry, pal. Open wounds that he has not yet healed. We know what this is like. This is far worse. You just had a parade for Jesus coming into the city and this, this uh, almost automatic, riotous level of rejoicing on the part of the Jews. And then in a week they are, give us Barabbas, and they can't stop that freight train. He's dying. He's even on the side of the ones who want the death to happen. And you're just caught up as the believer, the follower, wondering just what hits you. You can't believe it. You go to the tomb. You, you sit at the foot of the cross. You don't know what happened. So as I was thinking about Palm Sunday, in those rather non-edifying terms, I... Uh, well, what, what do we, what's wrong with us? 
because we would love to have a religion that picked up at Palm Sunday and just marched across the earth like Islam did. And in many ways, that's precisely what we did. We almost ignored the cross and tried to make triumph, tried to make a religion that would take over. And when you make a religion that wins, Hosanna, King of here, Son of David, uh, sort of uh, crying out, the expectation of a Messiah that would liberate them from Rome, set them apart, make a holy nation once again. You got real temptations on you. You, you really didn't think it was going to happen this way. You really did not think that the kingdom of God was within you. They didn't know. They didn't figure it out till, the, till Pentecost. Even after the resurrection, they're a little bit dicey about things. So remembering that, beware, first word, Matthew 6.1, beware of practicing your piety before men in order to be seen by them. For then you'll have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. We get to high holy days that some churches deem high holy days. And we're caught up in that sense of, well, so many people, a real sense of glory, triumph in our Lord Jesus, because there is a triumph in our Lord Jesus, just not the one the Jews were celebrating. We know it's very easy for us to step into roles of, of active deeds of piety, Christian religious works. And then in this chapter, we got alms, prayer, and fasting addressed by Christ. Roles that all religions do. Things all religions do. They give alms to the poor. They pray to their gods. They fast. It's a religious action. And as believers, if we're going to have the mind of Christ in some People look at the Sermon on the Mount as an increasing of the Jewish uh, demand in the law so that they would feel the overwhelming, irresistible guilt for sin. And that comes in the previous chapter. You have heard it said, you have heard it said, but I say to you, and he would ramp it up into a more uh, emotional, heartfelt sinfulness. But here it's addressing our acts of piety. And he says, watch out that you don't do them to be seen by men. If you do them to be seen by men, you will not be rewarded for them by the Father. It's an off-on. If you do, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. That's sort of the thematic watch out for this. But we have to, one of the things, the reason I come at you from this uh, Palm Sunday thing, this, this desire to create the triumphant. There's a great desire to keep the visible elements of our religion in front of the world all the time, that our piety would be seen by men. Have you ever wondered about that with prayer in a restaurant? Do you pray in restaurants? I don't mind if you pray in restaurants. My dad would pray in restaurants. That's when the waitress would show up. First law of restaurant prayer. With your food, you know. Oh, a religious table. Some people pray, and I ask black people why they pray in restaurants. So it could be a good testimony. Oh, to be seen by men? I thought you were being thankful for the food. Being thankful for the food is a good reason to pray in restaurants. To bless the food is a good reason. To be seen by men, to be a good testimony, not a good reason. Because then we're practicing. We need to beware of practicing piety before men. For such the hypocrites do. Now, when we hear this, we're believers. We're, we're, we're not the Jewish Pharisee or the Jewish hypocrite that Paul's talking to. We're Christians. We love Jesus Christ. We got up this morning. We went to church. We went to a church that sings hymns. Okay, there's no entertainment here. There's just maybe loving believers from all sorts of backgrounds, but... You care. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think you would be here otherwise. Maybe the young ones are godless, but this means you, Audrey. 
She doesn't care. Thus, he says, when you give alms, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets. He's not saying you are a hypocrite. He's saying that's what hypocrites do. So beware when you give a gift, you don't make the announcement regarding the gift. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. If you've done it to be praised by men, like the hypocrites do, the reward you get supplants the reward you are going to get. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. That's not an actual rule, by the way. It's not like, how can I make this fool that hand? You know, they always keep it on opposite. They can't see each other if I keep them on opposite sides of the body. No, it's an image. Use the image. Use it wisely. But what I want you to be thinking about this morning is, am I building the kingdom of heaven as the Lord wants the kingdom of heaven to be built? You know that we've pushed many, many times against the ritual, against the law, against anything but what is the work of the Holy Spirit and grace in you, because grace in you is going to be where the Christian walk ultimately comes from, that which will influence your children the way they should be influenced. That's what we really want. But sometimes we need to be dragged back like Christ drags these people back and says, don't do it that way. Because if you don't have the grace of God, if you're not experiencing the Holy Spirit, you're going to be very tempted to ignore this warning to not do these things like the hypocrites do. Because you'll be left with a religion that you're wondering, what, what do I do in the street? How do I function? Your alms are given in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. It's a question of reward. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Now sometimes the hypocrites, I mean, they're, they're bad. We, we're, again, a hypocrite is a person who knows he is not doing the thing he ought to be doing. He is faking a religion. There are many people who are truly in Christ who feel that they are limited to that fake religion because the church is in many ways controlled by centuries of hypocrites designing fake religion for us so we could go do it. And even the saints walk in and are led astray by this, you might say, state of being in the body of Christ, that the real walk is not the thing that immediately greets you when you come into any evangelical church. The real walk with Jesus Christ. We offer an awful lot of visible pieties for them to do. Those were created to be seen by men. Maybe with good reason. You want the evangelism to go out so you pray in the restaurant to be seen by men for the testimony. Do we have ways of doing it? We, we, we don't. You know, we have a gift box in the back, and, and uh, when I tell you to encourage you to give, it's because, well, you ought to be. But we don't have anybody, I don't think, in town that has a trumpeter going before them and tooting a little tune, the, the gift tune. My, my master is about to put some money in that. And we don't know if that was even a, a real thing or was it, it just reads very well as a, yeah, people who sound their own horn. We don't have that. I don't notice anybody giving. It, giving gets given, but I don't notice anybody giving. So well done. But we do have ways of praying. And I'm not saying these are bad, but just we want you to check, make sure they're not in you. I'll pray for you. What did you just let them know? That you're going to be praying. Ever have that situation where someone says, yeah, I broke my leg. Well, I'll pray for you. Then about two days later, oh, 
I said I was going to pray for him. I better say a quick prayer so I'm not also, besides a hypocrite, a liar. We want people to know we are prayers. What's another one you could be doing? Oh, this is one that's tempting to me. My wife and I, this is not guilty. What I'm doing right now is not, I'm not guilty. My wife and I have prayer time in the morning in the library, the scent of stale cigars. And, and I notice the temptation when it comes off my lips. It's a temptation. And it is real. When you tell someone in your prayer time this morning, you lifted their need up. Now, it's true, you did. It was really a prayer time. The need really got lifted up. But as that came out of my mouth, I was aware that I was having a way of being seen by men. To be credited by men, to be rewarded in this life with a view of their... I know that they're going to have a response to that. Oh, he and his wife are together for prayer time? That's so sad. Which... I wish my husband got together. We're tempted all the time by godliness to sin, to gain our reward not in the kingdom of heaven, not in our Lord's favor, but to announce to men that we prayed. It is not bad to tell someone you prayed. It is not bad that someone saw the gift you dropped into the box. We know the difference between the image of not letting your right hand know what your left is doing. You know when you felt that reward, the reward collected right now. In the world, out there in the world, I think I, I see this like a, uh, the golf course over in Pullman. Uh, at, the, at the clubhouse, they have a, 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 you know how different things like theater groups, they have donors and they have the donors divided by rank. And usually the top rank is usually the Chevron Corporation, you know, uh, a Vista Utilities, because they're giving a million dollars to the uh, golf course. And then there's different, you know, benefactors, founders. Uh, what are some of the other words they use? Everyone has to sound complimentary, but just a little bit less. So that by the time, but your, your, your name's up there. You gave something. People like that. And of course, we should ought not mind it with a golf course. I don't mind if, the, if I, you know, I want to get credit. If I give money to a golf course, you bet I want my name on something. I want the, name, I want the place named for me. St. Evans Golf Course. That's uh, what it's going to be. But in the church, in the, in the body, in our piety, we've got this way. I want you to be thinking creatively of how we collect now with an earthly piety, almost like we want the Palm Sunday false triumph issued out each time for us, that we, we're winning here, even if it's not the real thing. The triumph of Christ was on the cross, not when he came into the city. We have to realize that the kingdom of heaven is who you are actually in your actual faith. That when you're standing at home in your closet, again, it doesn't have to literally be a closet, a room by yourself, and your voice comes out of your head aloud because you are speaking to your God. It's an admission that you believe in the reward of your God in secret. So announcing things, I mean the Jews like to pray on the street corners, we, we can see that. Also another thing that the Bible actually addresses, I think this was brought into the church um, by the Gentiles, because we're good at this. Um, and in praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. You're welcome. I'm a Gentile. We're Scots, and we love to talk. 
We love the sound of our own voice. And nothing is better than speaking in King James English while you pray for a long time. Using phrasing that is especially holy. Using, I was in an argument, because that's what I do, um, in Virginia years ago with a uh, Presbyterian minister. And uh, you can say, well, yeah, what's now? Um, at a certain point, his voice changed from regular guy talking about theology to pastoral unction voice. You know the voice? You know the, he, I had heard him preach. He was a good preacher. I'd heard him preach. I said, people talk this way? They really do. They get into the pulpit and something magical happens and they call on God. As my father pronounces God. They have these motions. My Bible is somewhat floppy. Not Billy Graham floppy, but I mean it's... People have ways of making religion be visible. They want it to be heard with the sanctity they believe it has. They think they'll be heard for their many words. The Gentiles. Heaping up empty phrases. Thinking. Now not, notice that this is not to be seen by men. This is to be seen by God. We sometimes perform in our prayers with a long prayer for, to be seen by men. But some people think that in our praying we are trying to again produce a religion that is like the religions of this world where you go to before Apollo and he's going to measure how long the prayer lasted kind of like Joseph Stalin and how long the applause lasted if you stop applauding if you're the first one to stop applauding for Joseph Stalin you're the one that's going to die after the do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Your father, he's with you in secret. Your walk with Christ is a walk that is in you and in secret. And it wants it to be lived primarily. Not that it can escape the physical viewing. You can't escape being seen giving. You can't escape being seen praying. You can't escape potentially having a long prayer if you have a long request. But is your Christian life in you, with the Father, in private? I've mentioned before how my parents, we grew up in a Southern Baptist church, and woe to me if I had ever thought that this Southern Baptist church, who I admire for their uh, approach to things, but if I ever thought the Southern Baptist church was synonymous with the Church of Jesus Christ and the Kingdom of God, I would have given up. But I saw my father's private Christian life. And he wasn't even doing it for me to see it. I happened to have a better angle on it because I was there in the house. I could see how he treated people. I could see where he went when he had a need. I could see what he did when he sinned. Have you measured out a visible piety that the church issued to you, not a hypocrite, you're just saying, well, this is what they told me to do. I'm supposed to have a prayer time. I was talking to Joel last night about quiet time. Joel Noss, they're visiting from California. Joel and Amber. About, we get handed all these tasks that we're supposed to do. We're in the grace of God. We're We've been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. We have been given the Holy Spirit of God and we have been made, if we're right with him, loving, joyful, peaceful, patient, kind, good, gentle, faithful, self-controlled. You privately with your father in the closet. Don't come out of the closet is what we're saying. Don't get into that into a conversation later today with some Christians from another church. Just say, well, my pastor said we're not supposed to come out of the closet. <laughs> In the account in Luke, the apostles, disciples asked him, 
to teach them to pray. And this is, comes right here in this passage without that remark. He says, pray then like this. And it's the Paternoster, the Our Father, which art in heaven. Now, I know that um, I, if I kept going on that, some of you, your lips would start moving. If I said, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Notice I said hallowed. Not hallowed, hallowed be thy name. I was raised in the church. I'm a good Christian. I know that, but most of you have got, even though you never memorized this, you know this. We might have a little difference between trespasses and debtors. But we could all say this. You know why? Because we decided that in a passage where Jesus said, do not make this a matter of public scene piety, we did, no, 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 let's take over here, Lord. We'll, we'll do the exact opposite. We'll make this the most memorable public prayer that anybody could ever do, that in any gathering of any Christians, and even the fake ones, we could start this prayer and everybody could finish it. Because, dear Jesus, we're not going to do what you say. We're just going to pretend. This is the religion of your privacy. This is the religion of your closet. I want you to say it. When he says, he says, pray then this, said Luke. He actually says, not like this, but pray then this. So if you pray this, our Father, at home, aloud, in your closet, to your Father in secret, where you get nothing. And if you never say to anyone, as I was saying, my our Father's this morning, my prayer time with my private self in my prayer closet. Soon as you, you have no reward. You have to cash in what you just got. That little. Yeah. Now, some of you like Awana. You probably went through Awana. We didn't let our kids go through Awana. Mostly because of those little jewels you got. Like, because uh, my heavens, what do I want to turn my kid into a soccer player or something? Frenchman. But that's what we go through. We, we, we show up at church with one of our little, our, our little badges, our, our Boy Scout badges. What are they called? Uh, yeah. Merit badges. And the church issues your, your merit badge. Well, he's, a, he's a Bible memorizer, he's a prayer. We make sure that we announce the things that, uh, well, they're really giving to the church. Well, how did they figure that out? Well, because subtly, we live our religion before men. If your religion isn't, again, I'm not saying it isn't before men or isn't seen by men. We're told to look at their people's fruits. We're told to, you know, deal with it. That's, you can't deny being visible. But you can understand your life to be private with your Lord, that you, the way you think, the way you think of your faith, the kingdom that is within you, is that it functions there primarily. Doesn't get its rewards. You don't want to lose the reward you have from the Father by making these cheap little announcements that get you the credits. Look at this prayer. It's a wonderful prayer. You've heard that said, right? Anybody disagree with this prayer? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And some ancient texts say, For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. <clears throat> I grew up with trespasses. I don't know which. I, I feel better when trespasses are said. Because that's the way I grew up. But I also felt a little uncomfortable because that sibilant S just went through the congregation and just staggered. <laughs> You say, Evan, you think too much about stuff. 
But look at this. Pray then like this. You identify our Father who art in heaven. Now these are all self-identifications. This is not the corporate identification. This is not us chanting this together. You reverence him. You declare your reverence. The prayer is you audibly saying that his name is hallowed to you. That means holy. Set apart. That's what hallows are. And you express your hope. Thy kingdom come. You want his kingdom to arrive. And we're out there busy setting up a little Christian shadow kingdom. A, a, a kingdom of awards and Awana badges. That tell people exactly how righteous we all are. And since it's all in the name of Jesus and it's all orthodox in its theology. Nobody complains. Except the Lord perhaps. His kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is a big one. Joel and I were talking last night, and I could stay up late because my wife's out of town. I could go to bed when I wanted. Oddly enough, I wanted to at 11. <laughs> but we were talking about how the, you've heard me say before that the chief question of man is who's in charge here? And you have got to decide whether or not you have bowed the knee to him instead of to you. You have bowed the knee to him instead of what the society has taught you about everything. You have stood before the word of God believing what it says because you decided, Romans 10, that Jesus is Lord. His kingdom come. His will be done. And then explicitly on earth in the same way it's done in heaven. That's the commitment at that point. The choosing at that point. When it's private, when it's allowed, it's not you privately and aloud saying something that's kind of incantational. That's what's awful about what's happened to this prayer. The church, it's become an incantation that you get to wave about. Even if you were praying it alone, could you hear the words that you were saying? You have just claimed that your hope is in God, your lordship is in him, your obedience is to his will. And as all prayer is, you make a request. There are three requests here. One is, give us this day our daily bread. Pretty immediate, existential right now. Daily, just bread. You all remember, some of you are old enough. I know Roy remembers. Oh Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? My friends all drive Porsches and I must make amends. Work hard, hard all my life with no help from my friends. Oh Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? Janice Joplin. It's a great song. It's not that prayer. It's daily bread. You staying alive. Yeah, I mean, really, you could ask for more if you wanted. But you don't need to. Your joy in Christ, your religion is such, whether you abound or you're abased, whether you have or have not, whether you have pleasure or whether you have pain, in suffering, we find ourselves rejoicing in God. We'd like to make our request to him. But even practical things like bread, your meal, your smack ramen, that'd be the, probably the equivalent. But also says, and forgive us our debts. Lord, forgive us for what we have done. The choices we have made. The past that exists, that we did do. We need to be forgiven. We're asking to be forgiven. With this basic truth claim that it be meted out to us at the level we think 
ought to be meted out to others. We want to have a consistent submission to what we said earlier. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That means I need to do how it's done in heaven. And I'm going to request of God forgiveness, how it's done in heaven, without doing it on earth. This is the application. I'm making a request based on the truth of my earlier choice. I made a choice and said, Lord, I want your will done here. Just like it is up there. And he says, well, I forgave people mercifully. Should I not have mercy on 120,000 people who do not know their right hand from their left? That's the kind of God you have who is merciful. And we request forgiveness of him, having just said, because maybe we're just, if we're doing this in private, maybe we just like hearing these words. I'm a poet. I like poetry. I like the sound of words. I could, some awful commercial about some sports drink or shoe was uh, uh, that awful poem. What's it called? Um, Invictus. Just an awful poem. You just want to find the poet somewhere in hell and slap him. Okay? It's just, but you can understand why people liked it. I mean, in other words, it's godless, you know, self-belief. But it was reasonably well done. Um, we like poetry. And sometimes when something this cultural, a couple thousand years of Christianity, chanting this paternoster back to you, liking the way the words just fit together, I could imagine saying this in my prayer closet. Uh, in such a way that I just rejoice to hear it. Hear it go by my ear. Thy will be done. Hallowed. I like that. I like pronouncing, maybe that old medieval English thing of always pronouncing every one of your syllables or whatever it is. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Doesn't that just feel great? Deep voice, you're putting it to sleep. Or... You are praying before your God what you mean to pray. And you would never ask for forgiveness if you did not understand how his forgiveness was given and you had given and obeyed the same way he is expected to forgive you. And lead us not into temptation. Third choice, third request. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us for the future. Because I'm not supposed to be concerned with the future. Right? We're told that by our Lord all sorts of places, right? Don't be worried for tomorrow. Today is enough trouble for itself. Who has a, you know, all such boasting is sin, that sort of presumption about tomorrow. So I'm giving it to the Lord. How many of us are anxious about the next few days? Well, we're told in Philippians, give that to the Lord. Here's your circumstance. You're asking God, Lead us not into the calamities of the future. We'd like your... Even Christ asked for that in the garden, right? If this cup can pass for me, I would, I would like not to go through this temptation. I would like not to go through this trial. Doesn't mean you will always not go through trials, because he said at the end, not my will, but thine be done. Now... Those claims are not rooted in the poetry. They don't bless you because it's a great prayer and a great set of lines. A simple, honest integrity to it. It's only simple, honest, and integrity if it's simple, honest, and filled with integrity in you. It's not there because of the church. It is not there because enough centuries have passed. You ever think of that? You know, how many, how you believe there's an epistemic value in centuries? There isn't, by the way, any epistemic value in centuries. Just because something's old, it does not make it truer. It's not because of the church. It's not because of the centuries. Look at what he does. He gives you a reason right after the prayer is over. For if you forgive men their trespasses, 
your heavenly Father also will forgive you. And if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Just in case you had missed the point in the prayer. He gives you a reason. Because between you and your God, in your closet, in your privacy, looking for his reward, you want to not only be doing the right thing before him, you want to understand why he wants you to do the right thing before him. Motivated to the righteous life, not because of law, not because it's a rule laid down for you that you've got to have 15 minutes of prayer time and it's got to be at tall souls in your closet, dang it. But because the reasons we make requests of God, we know what they are. And we know that our Father rewards us. What's that say? He believed that he rewards those who seek him. There's reasons. We want to be the kind of Christians that only barely look like an evangelical church to other evangelicals. Only barely. We want them to be a little confused when they come in. Because we want you all to have a walk with Jesus Christ on the basis of the grace you've experienced in him and you are looking to build the real thing in yourself before him based on your actual faith, not our faith, but yours. And that you understand the reasons you do things. And we also have differences, we, we're all souls, we have differences in theology. But our desire to know God ought not be one of them. He goes on to fasting here. And when you fast, do not look dismal, like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. I have this note on the side, I want to have a t-shirt made up. I gave up Facebook for Lent and all I got was this lousy t-shirt. That's your reward. Announce to everybody, yeah, I'm giving up. What? Coca-Cola TV, Facebook. I don't want anybody to miss this announcement. And if you did, I want to be sure you see that I got a smudge of charcoal on my forehead. Just in case you could have missed. I generally sometimes show up in social engagements with smudges of charcoal on my face. Those are accidents due to my habits. Those are not religious observances. It's not rending my garments and sitting in dust and ashes. It's brushing my forehead with a cigar. My sister wondered when she was here why I always mentioned cigars in church. It's religious for me. Do not look dismal. Oh. What's the dang point, Evan? If I'm going to be giving stuff up, because, you know, giving stuff up is religious. I want people to, I want the gods of my religious system to know. If I don't tell them, they won't know. I've told you this story before of a friend many years ago, as the girls in that big house were reading through Pride and Prejudice, and slowly but surely falling desperately in love as a group with Mr. Darcy. They were sitting one day on the steps behind the clock in a group, girls do this. They are herd animals. And I was walking up the stairs, wending my way through this gaggle of women. And a guy was coming down the stairs at the same time, and we passed in the middle of this gaggle of women, and he stopped me and said, Evan, I have just decided something. I said, what's that? Now, we were paused right in the middle, and they had to stop talking. I've just discovered that I'm just like Mr. Darcy. Now, why did he say that? Well, he needed them to know. They're not magical beings. They might seem like magical beings. They don't know these things when you are Mr. Darcy, really. They don't spot it for some reason. I've noticed that. I've only been compared to Mr. Bennett. 
That's uh, because of my sweetness. Just not Mr. Collins. I'll leave that to one of you. But uh, what we had, we want to declare things to people. Kind of proves where we are. Do we have? If you gave up something, could you? But I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by men, overtly taking action, that they can't spot it. Like that fooling the left hand and the right hand thing. You're about keeping secrets. Because you know the reward of your Father in heaven far greater than the reward of men. Do you know that? When we want to be saints, we sometimes um, are not as rigorous about describing in what venue do we want to be known as saints. Who is the audience? It says here at the end, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal. Now, a lot of people jump to that passage for, you know, financial, there's some financial elements to that. Yeah, and it's expressed that way. But I wanted to include this right at the end is because that's what we're about. We enter, when I lay up treasure, real physical money, in a bank, in a 401k, I'm, I'm warned here about that. That that's not my end goal, should not be my end goal in life. It's going to happen. But... I also want to remember that that's because the whole world is functioning with everybody else in it, serving these gods of success, trying to find a way to produce by the end of your days a retirement utopia in which you can have two jet skis and a house at the lake. Because then, dear heavens, you would be happy. And I would love, well, I wouldn't like the jet skis. I'll take the house at the lake. Whatever my image of those things, we, we then have to protect ourselves, right? You know, people who lost money and whatever bubbles went by the other, you know, they deserve to lose money, for heaven's sake. They were, they were risking it all. They were rolling the dice. They were playing craps with their future, and they lost. And so us sensible ones go find a bank somewhere and put it in at interest, guard it with mutual funds, buy precious metals. I don't know what you're doing. Knock yourselves out. But you notice that we start trying to protect that which really can't be protected. There all is futility. It's going to they're going to pry those doubloons from your cold dead fingers. And if they're old traditionalists, they'll put a couple on your eyes as they put you in the you got to pay Charon, the riverboatman of the sticks, to get across. So you got to take some money with you you're going to someplace. But what about these other things that we measure out for ourselves? Our earning our success in the church. This piety business is just as ruthless there. The wealth of public piety um, is, is, is tragic. You watch people rise and fall in that area, like you could, you could have a, you know, um, impulse buy magazine at Safeway called The Church. And you just, just scandal about church. Just all the rising and falling. You know, famous new faces happening. All souls pastor, great bishop. You know, whatever we could do uh, with that. I'd get my hair dyed and lose some weight. No. We'll make fat popular. But whatever the case, what are the, once you start to play the game, you don't think that the thieves are going to break in and steal? You don't think the scandal is going to take it away from you or 15 minutes of fame are going to be denied you? Suddenly, somehow, it's all going to collapse? If I'm laying up treasures in heaven, I could be doing something completely legitimate, like the rich fool in Acts, I mean Luke, who... Uh, it's just building bigger barns. You fool. Today your soul be required of you. Then will your, where will your money be? 
But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. If you need to be told that the relationship with your father in secret, a real Christian life of faith, where you, if you give alms, you understand it is for him. If you pray, you know it is to him by his reasons. You know it. If you fast, it's overtly to do whatever the fasting is doing, not get some sort of merit badge. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And if you want to be measured by your God, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your master, realize the other master cannot actually reward you in a way that is permanent to eternity. There's no hope in it. You cannot say, the church's kingdom come. Some people really believe that, that the church is the kingdom come, and they want to have a position and standing in it. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Remember to choose between who you want to declare you a saint. And remember that you have prayed in the Our Father that his will be done here, like it is in heaven. You don't want to look at the word of God and say, I just don't know if I want to, I don't want to do that, or I don't want this, or I don't want that, or I don't think we should. You hear the word of the Lord, your heart as a believer, not because of law, you know we don't, want you to think of this as law. We want you to examine your nature. This is something that is natural to you. You have to select it though. Let's thank God. Dear Lord, we are grateful that your kingdom has come in us, that we can live it actually in our life the way you've asked us to live it. Lord, we can't avoid the, um, the realization of the things in our lives by others, but we can know that we're living for those things or not. That we're living for your approbation, your reward, and we know we have to dodge those temptations in ourselves. Lord, help us not be shooting for a triumph that's false and a disappointment, but that we would understand your cross and your son. In our lives, in your son's name, amen.